die transformatietafel word met trots geborg dier Maxflex Cables. You are listening to the Transformation Table, where we talk about God's business. Very uh, welcome and all what the next day is on our Zoom group. All what we die die podcast later afvlaai en en ehm wat gaan luister na wat luister na Ad Radio. Dis 'n groot voorreg om so vroeg in die oggend saam te wees. Dis lekker koelie so by ons in in Johannesburg. Ehm um, maar uh, ons uh, ons verwag dat die Here vir ons gaan seën met 'n met die heerlike oggend. Ek wonder ehm um, Pieter kan ek vir jou vra om ons open met gebed asseblief. Die ware Vader, baie dankie dat ons vandag so saam kan wees. Dankie vir die wonderlijke voorig, en dat de mens om die woord kan vergader. En ek wil bid, Heere, wat ook al vandag na ons te kom, dat die het leven sal maak in ons harte, help ons om het uit te leven tot eer van die naam. Ek bid vir elkeen wat luister, en I pray, Lord, that everyone that listen, that don't understand Afrikaans, that you will really bless them, and quicken your word into their hearts. And I thank you for the wonderful privilege to be together. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. I think I did that uh, introduction and welcoming in Afrikaans. I'm already in trouble. Um, so uh, I just want to recap quickly about last week's uh, podcast. Um, and what was significant for me was um, that we came to the first you know, we, we, this is the, the today is the fourth um, meeting that we that we're having, but uh, um, last week's uh, podcast we started getting to the root of where we should start with um, developing community and bringing the people um, into God's will, and that is the question of not who am I, but whose am I. And um, and uh, Freek, uh, you're dealing with uh, with the young uh, youngsters at the moment. The the question that they need to have answered is: I am valuable. I'm valuable. I'm loved. I am important. Um, you know all that type of stuff. And as soon as you go that direction, <clears throat> then you start seeing. Or if you, when you start believing, whose am I? Then you you realize that. That you matter, yeah. You matter to us. You matter to God. And you student, as soon as you start believing that, then there is a way that you can be be used by God, and you can be a functional uh, contributor to society. So uh, I'm very glad for that, and I'm excited for this to go further. Um, I asked uh, Jan this morning, Jan Westhuizen, to to come and share with us a little bit what they do. And um, I think we can have a lot of these things, uh, these discussions in the future, where we we hear what the guys are up to, you know. The, and I'm saying guys as in the, the the men and the ladies, what they're up to all over our country, so that we can integrate and connect and and um, start building the body of Christ, the real body of Christ. So uh, Jan, if you if you don't mind, uh, I'm going to pass the the, the 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 mic to you and uh, share with us a little bit what what's in your heart and what's going on, please. 
Thank you for allowing me, Menzo. And it's really, I'm really excited to connect um, again with with new um, leaders, new um, uh, persons. You know, when when we speak about a person, we speak about holy ground. When that when that person is dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ and to His Lordship, and it's always to me exciting to hear what the Lord is doing in people's lives, not what we're doing for God, but what He's doing in us. So I've been having the privilege. I got saved in 1984 when I was only 13 years old. Um, came into into full time ministry when I was um, 18. And uh, you know, been been in the ministry for for quite a number of years, and we we've been always been uh, a fundamental yearning, searching in our heart is what is God's heart for His church, because we we ultimately believe that church is God's plan. Church is God's heart. He He gave His life for, to redeem His church, and. Church is, is 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 really important to him, and and moreover, uh, church is is the only agency uh, in the earth that is God ordained and is situated in fiduciary powers in heaven. You know, so church originates from God, and and it means we are governmental intergalactic institution if you will if you think about the past present and future collectively that 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 is the sum total of church and 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 church is god's glory church is god's genius that's why we can't figure it out when you have all these different diversities of church because we try to reduce church into into one aspect that we understand and if you think about our physical bodies we a medical doctor would train for seven years to be able to be a general practitioner but you know to become a specialist in an ear or throat you, you do another seven years and and that's just the intricacy of our physical bodies and i believe the same for the church is that instead of reducing it to only uh, churches households and its family and small groups or churches mega or churches about worship or prayer you know i think church is all of the above it's missions it's um it's relative or it's it's god's revelation to the earth and so from from that premise of how because we we see, if you think, there's 220,000 NGOs at the moment in South Africa, and and each of these NGOs, um, some of them Christian-based, try to to heal or redeem a aspect of society, and and many people are pointing fingers to the church, saying the church is irrelevant, the church is becoming an institution, and so forth. But I firmly believe that it's the the local church, particularly the church in the locality. That is God's salt and light. And if that church is Christ-centered, if that church experiences continual revival that eventually leads into reform, where God reforms our values and reforms our way of thinking and speech and talk and practice and, and habits and, and all the aspects of our humanity, um, we get to become Christ-centered. And if a church, you know, if you go to, if you if you ever been to military, well, an army produce soldiers. If you want to become a medical doctor, you go to university to do, and, and that university makes you a doctor. So the question is, what does the church produce? And I believe the church should produce mature people in Christ Jesus, people that can be launched into all spheres of society and in all the darkness of society, like you know, sending ships into an ocean. 
and the ship shouldn't sink. Um, the people should be so full of the Lord, glory of the Lord. They have to be doctrinally so sound, so steady, uh, and 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 um, determined in their faith that you can literally launch them. And they, no matter what the pressure, no matter what the obstacles are, that they remain afloat, that they remain able, and that they remain salt and light. So it's from from that premise, Menzo, that that we as a as a community over many years have you know launched out in, in in different things that God told us to do at particular times is how we can be salt and light in our communities. We try to serve in all our institutions in our community. Um, um, on the CPF board, I'm on the business chamber and almost every committee that is in our town, we try to put someone in our church there to participate, to be there because, you know, salt uh, on the table uh, and you can't you, you can't drink that pot of salt. You're going to become sick. Salt is useful when it's in the stew. And And so the church has to be in community. We have to be in all spheres of community, which... Um, if you think of the major five pillars of a community, it's government, um, it's the economy, it's education, it's the health sector and the safety sector, and and then you have all the all that what I always call the 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 gel or the glue of society is is stuff like sports and arts and fine arts and creative industries because they bind communities together, and 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 church should really be be everywhere, um, so that we can saturate. Um, the the society, and and I think the the recent article that I've discussed with you that that um, is our discussion this morning is a couple of two years ago. We decided that um, you know we we are in certain spheres, we're seeing some success and so forth. But when it comes to local local government, when it comes to local municipalities, we we hit the wall because whatever we do, whatever we try to build. When it comes into the bureaucracy, it comes into this, you know, um, institutionalism that you that you find that it's just a poor service delivery, you know, poor poor standards. Um, then then whatever we try to do fall flat, and we began to pray to say, you know, what's God's heart for government? And we realized um, we need to contest. So what we basically did um, is we created a through our business chamber and through the trust that we've built in our community. We decided to create a resident organization, and from that we held meetings in our community with all the leaders, um, school headmasters, and because we are, you know, in all these spheres, we have built trust over time, and and we could gather everyone, and we were talking, how can we improve our town, and what is the main priorities that that um, the community sees as the greatest challenges. And to our surprise, the greatest point that was uttered from the community was not our informal settlement and the encroachment of illegal you know, people coming in, which I thought was the biggest crisis or the housing crisis or whatever. The biggest crisis that these leaders um, expressed and communicated was we need collaboration. Our communities are divided. Uh, we are um, you know, working in silos. And we we need to we need something that could collaborate us, and from that we decided to to start a resident organization called Cedarburg Easter, and the name came by some of our lawyers, one of our lawyers in our town, who said, "We don't have any ideology. We don't fight for any people group. Uh, we don't fight for um, a certain perspective to politics. We just say our people first, and our town needs to come first when it comes to priorities, particularly about cleaning our town, 
the water in our town, and of course the um, the clean audits <laughs> that we would would want from from our local municipality. And uh, we we launched in and we registered at the IEC. It's a, there's a clause that Michael Louis um, helped us with at that time. Uh, you know, also a known figure, and uh, we could actually register with the IEC. And to our own surprise, we contested in the elections. We won twenty seven percent, two percent more than a DA at that point. And um, and since then we've we've become um, through our coalition with the DA and with the Freedom Front Plus we have become the majority um, party in in the Cedarburg, and uh, we could elect our own mayor. And we're very privileged and honoured to have Dr. Ruben Richards, which has been a um, a strong leader in South Africa. He's, he's been, um, as many don't know this, but he's been the Secretary General for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission under Bishop um, Tutu. Um, after that, he was the one that through Parliament, the Mabeki government, was asked to launch the Scorpions, and he was the one who... Um, was to think and mind behind the first Scorpions, and he closely worked with the CIA um, and MI6 to create the very, very successful Scorpions, as we all know. But then uh, we saw what happens in our government is that you know, you, you that that very, very effective um, anti-corruption unit was closed by government, was stopped. And the question would be, why? Why would you stop something that is so effective? Well, the problem was. That the Scorpions was investigating everyone, and that could not be allowed in the in the political sphere of the time. And they were closed down, and we now have a lesser effective, still maybe effective, but definitely in figures lesser effective uh, institution now called the Hawks. And uh, so with that, uh, you know, Dr. Ruben Richards came into our community. He's now our mayor. He's, he's part of my church. I'm, uh, and and we great friends. And and you know, it's again, this mission of being salt and light. In our community, so from from that angle, um, which uh, means I spoke to you and I sent you the article. So two weeks ago, I was asked by him. I said, and 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 he came to me, and I've never seen him so serious. And of course, he's 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 thinking of of a blackout, an imminent blackout. Thinking of the just the the dangers that that affects us when we will will have a blackout and and the repercussions it will have on our water supply drinking water sewage uh it's enormous i mean i won't want to go into that deep discussion i don't think we really realize that um i mean we we now in the last month had more than one occasion where we had no uh, no electricity for more than 24 hours and the the repercussions is enormous i don't think if you ever experience it you you know what it's going so but but he his, his plea to me as a spiritual leader was not to solve the ESCOM crisis. He came to me and says, Jan, we desperately, desperately need leaders of moral value, leaders that, that have a moral compass, leaders who, who speaks into society to be righteous uh, light that can, uh, you know, like you would have in the Old Testament, the prophets of old who hold the, the president and the king accountable. And, and, and where's that voice? Where's, where's the voice of the church to, to speak to the atrocities that we've been seeing in our country? And if you think about it, um, uh, under the writer's book, if you've been reading that, is in a big way, is, uh, is similar to what Bayez Nodia was addressing in the apartheid regime, because he's really unfolding a systemic structural sin. And you can actually go and Google this structural sin is a, 
uh, it's a great debate because it's it's basically saying a whole culture is um, is legitimizing a sin, like apartheid was a sin against humanity, but we legalize it, we legislate it. It becomes so part of culture, it becomes part of how we raise our children, becomes part of our of our whole structural entity as humanity. And and basically corruption, particularly what we're seeing in ESCOM, but not just in ESCOM, we're seeing it in government, but not just in ESCOM. We have Steinkopf, we have all in the private sector. Um, in the article I wrote, um, I give the figures of just the illicit financial flows is something like 83 billion rand that is leaving our country for illicit means. So it's a, it's not a, you can't point fingers only to government. It's like a whole society has become structurally um, embedded, uh, ingrained with a sinful attitude towards towards business, towards life, and and you know it's a big debate. We we in this program, I believe, we're talking about a, a business, and 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 how business should be redemptive. And if you look at pure capitalism, which is only selfish gain, Pareto principle would tell you that you need to balance selfish gain with mutuality, because uh, and that's what we see. If you if you become so successful um, at the cost of something else, Pareto would tell you that in forty years the exclusion or the 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 very um, entity that you were um, abusing is going to become a threat. Uh, to the very existence of what you've been building. And we're seeing that, you know, it's like that pure capitalism has led to us being the most unequal society and country in the world at the moment. I think we're now at 67 um, Gini coefficients. So it means we, we, we're terribly, you know, uh, insufficient. And the question comes back to the church, guys, because we, we're asking, we, we're close to an 80% uh, Christian country. So, so the Christian fiber should be embedded in everything we do. But the tragic reality is that we saw this here in our own community that you you have council meetings being opened in prayer, and the moment we say amen, we start literally physically cursing one another, openly racist, um, you know, openly. Um, disrespectful towards one another and so forth but we've just now prayed and 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 that just should tell you that religion doesn't make people holy you you can park a car a mercedes in a mercedes garage it's not going to make it a mercedes uh we all know and, and i think that's what we profess on this group is we, we all need a heart circumcision we need our hearts to change um to change our identity to change who we are and so so we we have to ask these questions what does the church produce if we produce mature christians and mature christ-like individuals and we have 80 percent of society then south africa should have been heaven on earth but it's not and and the biggest problem we have in south africa which i want to address this morning is the question of morality um and so I'm going to, I can talk for hours, so I don't want to take, you know, just, just take over the, the program in terms of, of just being talking alone. I want to hear what other guys are saying. But let me end with a, with an interesting story. As I as I was finishing this whole document about morality and I'm I'm citing, you know, um, different references and, and trying to be um, as, as um I always try to not speak as my own voice. I'm trying to pick up like this program is doing. What is the voices in South Africa say? So just last weekend, we had three news articles asking the very same question I'm asking this morning. Where is the Christian leaders? Where is the church? So so I think we, we're hitting maybe a nerve. But 
as I, I was finishing, I decided, okay, you know, and, and I, some of you guys who do writing, you feel a, a burden, un, you know, lifted. I, I get onto my indoor uh, bicycle and I usually listen to an audiobook. And uh, the book that I that I was uh, still wanting to listen, I, I didn't start yet, was a book by Mark Batterson called Whisper. And I decided, well, this looks great. I've wanted to listen to this book and, and let me start going. So, and and he begins the book, and and the book is about hearing God, and but the story he begins with, I just felt it's so fascinating. So he tells a story of uh, the tomato effect. The tomato effect came as a result of uh, Professor Dr. Tomato, who was um, born in a opera family. His father was a famous opera singer. And uh, like many children, they follow into the paths of their parents. He thought he's going to be an opera singer, but he wasn't good enough. And uh, eventually he became a, uh, a throat and ear specialist. After many years and becoming a very uh, successful uh, physician, he um, uh, got more pleas and, 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 and uh, uh, clients from his dad because many of the older opera singers lose the ability to sing. And they and, and they always think it's a problem with their throat. But if you're an opera singer, you know that they take great care of the of their voices and, 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 you know, the vocal cords and so forth. So they're disciplined in taking care of their voices. So why, when they get older, do they struggle with their voice? And, uh, and he then came with a total breakthrough in, in this, in this area. And he began to see that his opera singers had nothing wrong with their throats. They, they beginning to get, become deaf because the, the decibels of the, of the singing is so loud that, you know, the, the, the reciprocal, the suppository in the voice, you know, the echo in the, in the head is so loud and, the, and it begins to, um, uh, affect the inner ear. And so they become deaf. And here's the statement. What you don't hear inwardly, you can't speak. What you don't hear inwardly, you can't voice. And, and I just think it's, it's, it's just such a beautiful, <clears throat> um, I think, starting point because it's a huge discussion to talk about why there's such great corruption and you know why um <clears throat> the moral regenera regeneration movement that was started by four successive presidents we have the ethical institute we have um you know all kinds of uh, uh have the dg on 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 crime prevention and so forth and and yet we are you know such a corrupt society uh and even in the in the in the in the commercial world if you look at the steinkoff um uh, um uh, uh, dilemma, you know, a, 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 a crisis. So, so what I felt at that moment on my bicycle, and it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my finger on the on the root here. The root is maybe we have become so inundated with voices and shouting and noise of uh, information, social media, cell phones, um, you know, world that is so shouting to us that we've become deaf to the inner voice the moral voice, the small, still voice that is in us, you know, and that, that small voice should, should, I would believe, um, direct you and say, no, no, that, that thing you're doing is wrong. That the way you're speaking is not right. You know, that what you said is, is not, is not Christ-like. And if we, if we say the, 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 that Christ is the standard, is the moral standard. Um, and remember, he, he didn't give us a standard in philosophy. He gave us a standard in his life. He literally lived the standard. He proved us that his standard of living works. And that should be the premise of our morality. But somehow, if we become inundated with all these noises in society, we all are, are pruned to begin to become deaf 
to the inner voice. And and I think that's where we'll end for now, um, Menzo, to, to just say I think my discussion and my also reason being here this morning is that I believe a true Christian, if you would ask me what is the absolute 101 of becoming a Christian, what is the total basic beingness of being a Christian? What does it mean in one sentence, hear and obey? You know, when when they go in the in the in the in the, in the, 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 the Jewish baptism, they go underwater, and when they bow underwater, they actually utter these words in Hebrew: hear and obey. Um, and it's part of your baptism. It's part of the of, of surrendering to God and saying, "I don't live anymore." As I underwater, I can't breathe, um, so I'm 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 I have to find another way of breathing. And my new breathing, my spiritual breathing, is hear and obey. And 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 I do think this is why I love your program and being on your program and what you said earlier, Menzo, is that maybe we need to begin to find out because I don't believe that all of us are not hearing and all of us are deaf. I do believe there are voices out there who have been hearing and and who have been doing what God has been telling to do and with incredible, marvelous results. And and we need to hear more of that. Sure, Jan, you've uh, you've touched many nerves now, but uh, I, I I your your last little bit about hear and obey. Is, is directly linked to whose am I? Yeah. If, you, if you figure out who, not who am I, but whose am I, then the next thing is hearing and obeying will almost come automatically. You know, your, your, <clears throat> your guidance, what you do, you know, your decisions that you make during the day, big and small, will then go to immediately to, the, to, the, to, the, to back to that route, you know, Whose am I? Whose am I will determine how I make my decision of what to do. You know, and it and it and it is boils down to as small as, uh, you know, that robot is not all that um, uh, uh, red. I can still skip it. You know, um, our social uh, contract with each other falls apart if we cannot um, stick to the basic rules. You know, if there's a red robot, we stop. If somebody breaks that contract. Somebody's going to get hurt because we're going to have an accident. You know, it is in that in your head. You know, okay, I'll, 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 I'll I think I'll make it. Yeah, and it's a poor decision because the other guy thinks the same thing, and we, and we uh, hurt each other. You know, um, the the decision making process changes when your moral compass is correct, which you get from our dad. You know, um, that that that. Spending time in the morning, getting your 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 instructions, is exactly that. Hearing what, you know, and it is not only the big things. And I think the 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 thing that I struggled with for a while was, you know, moral compass. Okay, that's a big word. That's almost a little bit scary. You know, that's for that's for other guys. That's for, those are for guys that was the saved at eighteen or um, you know, dad was a was a duomini. Um, that's for those guys. It's not for it's not for us normal guys. But the the point to make is that it's a journey. You start with one small step and you decide, right? Today I'm going to do this better. Today I'm not going to do this. You know, it is an inward thing. You have to you have to get it from God. You, it's not it's not something you can get from society. You're going to have difficulty finding it um, in the newspapers. Um, yeah. you know, but it is that little step and another step and another step and another step. And I think we have to understand also it's a journey, it's not a destination, because we will never reach full moral.
capacity. Yeah, it is too big for us to 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 comprehend. <clears throat> I was in a in a meeting the other day, and I've got to um, uh, I've quickly tell, tell the story because I want to include the rest the rest of the group, uh, please. Um, <clears throat> and these two guys are talking; they do business together. Uh, they do some export to America. They do a very interesting product, and something went wrong. The one, the one uh, guy makes one part of the 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 the, the, the um, uh, product. The other uh, uh, guy finishes the product, and they and they then send it to to the customer in America. Something went wrong with the container. The container got uh, shaken about. The product is sensitive to that type of stuff, and when the container was opened that side, the whole lot is damaged. So what now? This is the container guy's fault. Ultimately, you cannot invoice the customer. And what hit me was that the guy that manufactured the first part, which there was nothing wrong with his product, he supplied it to his um, uh, uh, business partner, but they're two entities. They're not, they're not connected, right? He supplied the cable, the, 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 the product correctly. These guys manufactured and put it in the container correctly. And what, what the original guy that manufactured the first part did, he gave back his money that he made out of the deal. He deposited hmm. it into his... Now, that is, that is next level. You know, I did my part. I made my money. It's my money, right? And remember, when it comes to moral and money together, that's where the tacky eats the tar. You know, that is where the, 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 the story happens. But he, he, he put back the money that he made out of the deal into, the, into, into his uh, 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 business partner's account. And I thought, that's next level. You know, that's the way to do it. If we're going to make profit together, we make profit together. If we make a loss, we make the loss together as well. We, we take the hits and we take the the jam, and that is a different way of thinking about it, you know. And that's of course a, a much higher level than just uh, let's uh, stop at the uh, red robot. But the principle is start, start the journey. You know, there's many of us on the on this camp weekend that we had. That, um, I could figure out the guys that was in tatters, you know, that was torn apart, that was hurt. It went wrong. On the basic level, yeah, is it is it uh, uh, having uh, uh, having a drinking problem, a drug problem, a abuse problem, whatever it is, it started small and escalated big. Yeah, uh, um, problems is like a fire. I'm a, I'm a fireman. It's the only only official training I've had. Um, fires don't start big; they start small, but they become a big problem. You know, but in any case, uh, so what we do is we put our hand up if we want to contribute. Um, guys, uh, please, uh, I want to hear your, your, your voices on this. Um, Danke, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you very much, Jan. Um Many years ago, they asked Yonki Cho, what is the secret of his success? And he said, pray and obey. And you said, year and obey. I mean, I think it's more or less the same. Uh, I think uh, your moral compass is formed when you are alone, when it is 
when nobody sees you. It's just you and God. Uh, I think that is the place where the tire hits the road. When you are really, really alone and you think nobody sees you, that is where your moral compass is for. Uh, that's what I think. So that is my contribution. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. It is it is such an important thing that you're talking about. You know, um, uh, Marta, I'm going to give you. I see your hand is up. Thank you. I um, I think Marta, let's give you a chance quickly. Um, go for it, please. Uh, you're on mute, Marta. There we go. Try again. Cool. Can you hear me now? Sorry, <laughs> I can't agree more with what everybody has has said. Uh, it's so 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 important. I listened to a sermon the other day that spoke to me so much. The guy said, long explanation that I'm not going to go into, but that we as the body of Christ, we know him as our savior and we know him as our redeemer, but we're struggling to know and acknowledge him as our king because a king, when the king speaks, you don't argue or you don't rationalize. You just say, yes, sir, I'll do it right now. And that, I think that's what I hear from you, Jan, that that obedience, that when when God speaks to us, that we need to have that sensitive thing that would go beyond culture, it would be, go beyond our tribe, it goes beyond uh, our gender, everything, or where I stay, or what I believe, my politics, everything. But when God even whispers, then yes. That's it. And that we would instantly obey. Beautiful. Thank you, Marta. That is so important because it is, it, it, is, it, it, it is not part of what you think or do, but part of your fiber, you know, your, your new DNA. Uh, you, you almost don't think about it. You just um, decide which, which is almost not a decision. It should be, you know, like you, when, you, when you drive your car, you, um, you do, almost do it instinctively. But that takes some time to develop. It's not something, it's not something that happens uh, uh, instantaneously, you know. And if you are aware of it in your year, um, you listen to the king, then then because I mean, uh, uh, the the cool thing about this whole uh, what we're discussing is that you know that you're doing wrong. You don't have to wonder. You're doing something. You think, mm, you know. This is this is going to come back to me at late, at later stage, or or uh, you know that whisper in your ear is already there from when you're small. I mean, uh, when we were little little boys, I don't know uh, about you guys, but I, we, you know, me and my brother were were naughty, and you know that you're naughty. You know that you're gonna. Be, that's why hiding is so important. Yeah, uh, and I don't want to start a, a new trouble now, but. Remember, hiding for a young boy is very important because he, he knows that he's doing wrong. He thinks he gets, got away with it, but that guilt is still sitting in his, in his mind. And until he pays, that debt sits there. You know? So you are uh, depressed and you are not happy. You know, you're a young, young uh, kid and um, you've done something wrong and it might be big or small. But once you get that hiding, the debt is paid. You sort that. You're happy again. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a different uh, angle. Uh, Peter, uh, you're welcome. Uh, thank you, uh, Menzo. Yeah, thank you, Jan. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I think we've we've identified 
some of the the big issues. Uh, lawlessness is prophesied in the word. We we know that. Uh, Jan said we are a majority, eighty percent Christian. Well, I don't know that anymore. I think we might be a remnant. Out of all the guys that are on the group, there's a handful that are here. And on any parent-teachers association, uh, you know, everything is governed by those who pitch up. And so that minority thing, of those 80%, how many are compromising how many are operating in the independent spirit, building their own kingdoms? We have identified these things. But I want to get to what are we going to do about it? What is this minority group going to do about it? What can we do about it? And so in one sentence, the thing that is missing is the fear of the Lord. Okay, uh, that the fact that God is a majestic, holy God, He deserves our honor, He deserves our respect, He deserves our obedience, immediate and uncompromising. And uh, so, such awe that we hold Him in would preclude or exclude any disobedience whatsoever on our part. Uh, to what his will is. So what can we do? And and I believe that, as always, we need to start, nothing will happen without prayer. Nothing will happen without prayer. So what can I, Peter, do? Well, besides blooming where I'm planting, where I'm planted, and, and, uh, and bring in the light, in my conversations and and where I can, you know, has my neighbor got food? Um, can I tell the guy who fills my tank uh, that Jesus loves him? Can I ask him what his name means and uh, and get into his world that way? Besides doing all of those things, I believe that the word must go out to the churches. That they need we need to start praying seriously in all languages, for the Holy Spirit to teach us the fear of the Lord. Because even uh, Wigglesworth prophesied in his, in his prophecy of, of revival over the nation, uh, the same as Andrew Murray did a uh, hundred years before him, that it is through prayer that God will touch this nation. Not through us meeting on Zoom, but through us doing what the Holy Spirit says to us while we're meeting on Zoom. And so what are we supposed to be doing there in your world? Start asking the Holy Spirit, let each man start to build uh, the wall before his own house. You start praying. I start praying. Lord, teach me the fear of the Lord. And there will be a knock-on effect. And that, it's it, otherwise, it's like trying to eat an elephant. You know, it's it's uh, it's like just too big. How do we get there from here? Well, 
take the first step, start praying for the fear of the Lord in our nation and in my life first. Judgment begins in the house of God. Thanks, God. Thanks, Peter. So true. I mean, if you think about it in essence, what did we leave the guys with after this this weekend? You know, our camp, our men's camp was go get it yourself. Go spend time with God. How do you spend time with God? In prayer. Get it yourself. Get your instructions. Get your, get your connection right. And that will change what is around you. Uh, Jan, uh, got, go for it, please. Thank you. <clears throat> Again, I mean, so just um, quickly on what you guys said so far. I, I was very blessed to be called by Dr. Anna von Nikak a couple of years ago to call together um, a think tank for agriculture when we had all these land debates, as you remember, expropriation without compensation. And uh, we we had consequently three land summits throughout the country. But what blessed me was um, when at that point, um, Agri, um, the, um, the the news, newspaper for, for Agri, um, Lanta Wiekblatt, at that very same point, decided to do what they called the Solution Agri Solutions Conference in Bella Bella in, in Varambat. And they had 64 solutions. And I, when, when we were, I think our whole think tank was only operational for about a month when we heard about this. So we sent a few guys there. And to our biggest surprise, almost 40 of those 64 leaders, when they stood up, you know, guys like Turbas Faree and uh, JB van der Berg, uh, you know, these guys stood up, and I remember, for instance, Tobias Ferry, when he at that conference got up, he, he he started crying and weeping and saying, he, in his prayer time, the Holy Spirit started convicting him that he has to be a father to the black men in his community. And he um, changed his Limpopo dairy farming um, practice by beginning to mentor small black um, cattle farmers um, to help them into the supply chain of what he was doing. And the surprising thing was that um, at that very conference, um, uh, David Mabuza, the, the deputy president of the time, was in the meeting. And, and you couldn't have said anything more paternistic uh, and assaulting you know, to talk about white men fathering black men. I mean, it, it's just offensive. But because Turbas heard from the Lord, so when David Mabuza got up at the end of the conference, he couldn't remember. He said, who's that, who's that father, farmer who, who's talking about being a father? He says, that man has a solution to South Africa. And the result was that David Mabuza went from Maposa and they started, um, you would have known uh, the Commission for Agriculture, um, you know, um, some prominent figures was part of that study. And and they really did, a, a, I think, a marvelous work to, 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 to understand the full scope of agriculture, which is a relational industry. So it just shows that when you hear from the Lord, it becomes an authority. It becomes a power because you're not hearing yourself. It's not an opinion. You're you're hearing from the government of governments, the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. And that gives that what you are hearing and what you're doing a whole different level of authority. And the next one I want to just quickly make because I think this is crucially important. Unfortunately, Menzo, in the, in the world of hearing God, I mean, there's many books on this. We also have the bad stories of people saying they heard from the Lord and did the most craziest of things. 
pastor spraying, spraying the, the members of doom. The other day I saw a picture of a pastor being carried by his members um, because his feet mustn't touch the earth to, you know, to in that way <laughs> um, be contaminated because he's holy. And these guys also believe they are hearing God. So I need to put this down as a premise. And for anyone listening, you need to write this down. There's, there's always the threefold premise of hearing God. And you have to always have all three present at all times. First is the word of the Lord. You can only begin to hear God once you understand his language. If you go to France, you don't understand anything. They speak French. Uh, and the same, you won't begin to understand and discern God's voice until you begin to spend real time with the word of the Lord. Secondly is the voice of the Holy Spirit, the one that we're talking about, that inner voice, that small voice where the Holy Spirit convicts. And how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, you know that you know that you know that you know this is not this is not from man. And it sounds dif different. It, it has a divine sound to it um and it's and it's by and it's spirit driven and thirdly which many people forget is the body the body of christ it has to resonate what you're hearing from other leaders and other spiritual people um where you can confirm by two or three witnesses with mature people that this is from the lord and and i believe if we make our hearing so succinctly that that we follow this premise that we hear from the lord yes that's the power that moves us um and it's also accountability because now I'm accountable in threefold. I'm accountable to the word. I'm accountable to the spirit. I'm accountable to the body that is around me. And, and remember, it's the body around me that counts most because those are the guys that sees my marriage, that sees how I raise my children, how I drive through the streets. Uh, they see, like you said, means how I do business and, and, and what is my, what is the, the, uh, you know, there's always stigmas about everyone. There's, but what is the, what is your stigma? And your stigma in the town should be, you know, that guy. Is that guy is a party virac? You know, he, he does business in a straight way, and and we should be known for that. And lastly, uh, it's very interesting. I, I love to read very widely, as you can hear, hopefully. But um, Anna pointed years ago to me um, that the World Economic Forum, which we all have some you know, doubts about the, uh, the, because they're very secular and humanistic. But interestingly, they wrote an article in 2016 where they said, like you mentioned, Menzo, the social contract, the civil contract is totally broken. And and that's the premise of, of my of the piece I wrote is that you see is everywhere. I mean, you have banks going bankrupt. You have uh, all kinds of financial institutions going bankrupt. We have mega churches in scandals in newspapers. We have presidents that that shame us you know uh, we have government institutions that is in, ineffective so literally if you look around what agency would you trust and here's another solution that i think is a is a solution i would in future discussions hope that we would discuss um, and there's many movement kasi Carstens, who starts with this thing the world needs a father but the world economic forum says the following the only way is Society needs to forge a new social covenant. They wrote these words, social covenant. When I read this for the first time, I thought, what is this? You know, the World Economic Forum knows about covenant. Uh, but it was interesting. And when you understand what they were saying, they were saying, there are existing exemplary leaders already in society who has become fathers that are known for their integrity, that are known for their neutrality, who are known for their non-racist, who are known for the truth, who are known for their, for their character and their good standing. He says, those fathers 
will forge a new social covenant that will bind society together and that will bring new leadership. And and guys, in, in, in humility, we are physically seeing that. The kind of leaders that pulled together to create Cedarburg first was exemplary father kind of leaders, non-politicians, you know, CEOs of big companies, a medical doctor in our community that put up their hand and say, we're not politicians, we're not career politicians, but we need to fix our town. And they became the leaders of, of the coalition and and now we have a whole new standard of leadership in our in, in physically in in council um, that can be salt and light and can bring a new standard. And I think that's a story of hope that that we need all over South Africa. Jan, thank you, uh, Dimitri. You're going to have a problem later today, uh, Freak, uh, because this important this discussion is so important that I'm going to let it run. I'm not going to stop it at seven o'clock. So you guys are going to have to edit it and squash it and make make do with what you need to do for your for 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 what you need to do. But um, Jan, uh, I agree with you so much. You know um, uh, the the importance of that fathering, and, and 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 I really appreciate this forum because we learn a lot. You know, we had um, we had uh, uh, Stefan the other day and said, "How are you going to father someone if you're not prepared to know their name?" You know. So I had, a, I had a very bad habit, and I'm very ashamed uh, about it now. But when, when somebody new starts working by us, I ask him, you know, then he gives me his name, Katlech or whatever. I don't, I'm not going to remember that. And I think, so, so what, do you, what do your friends call you? No, he says, Katlech. Can I call you Cat? You know, or whatever. And, and, and that's how I operated, because my memory is very bad. And it is an insult. I... I am ashamed to, to, to even tell you guys that I, I, that I did this. And so what I've done is I have made the effort of learning the, 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 the guy's proper name in our factory. Yeah. And um, it had put a whole new spin on, on the fathering part because I personally believe that my, my operating theater, uh, uh, where I spend most of my time during the day, uh, which is our company, is also my missionary field. Yeah. The fathering, explaining to the guys. You know, yesterday I had a, a guys that that uh, did something wrong, and I um, had a choice: do I uh, give them a lot of trouble, or do I use it as a as a teaching moment? You know, and um, the teaching moment happened about more than just taking your job serious, but taking your family serious, taking your things around you serious. You know, but the basic, basically. You cannot be an effective father if you do not know your children's names. I mean, yeah, um, that 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 goes without saying. Uh, Dimitri, you had your hand up, and then we're going to give Anthony a chance. Thanks, Minzo. Um, guys, thanks for, for for everything that is shared here today. I think we're just really edifying the church here with uh, what the Holy Spirit is uh, trying to to impart uh, within us. Um, such powerful contributions to um, how we sh should be led by the Spirit. Now, the one, I think that word was empirical. Am I, am I correct, Menzo? And then that's something new I've learned today. And um, I think that we, we really need to go against the grain when it comes to um, being empirical. Um, because, you see, I think as Christians, we are too concerned about being observed as Christians um, and to be intentional first. And Menzo, you've really given me um, 
um, a great revelation to what I wanted to say now um, with, uh, with what you shared with us um, with regards to the names of, of, of the people in your factory and so on. Um, you know that we need to be convicted, first of all, um, spiritually, and then we need to become intentional. And I think we have it the other way around most of the, the times. We want to be intentional, uh, and, and then we get it wrong because then we're acting out of our own ideas of what morality is or what is expected. And the Holy Spirit um, does things. And one of the other things that came up in, in what we were talking about today is um, that there's an authority when, when, when God ordains or when God says, do this or go there and, and, and so forth. So I think... It's really um, the the one thing that that again stood out was we need to spend real time with with God. We really need to spend a real time, and I don't. I think we put that down to um, a, a meeting like this. This is my time with God. This is so. It's all things that can be observed, and I think Peter touched on that as well. Um, the one thing that's going around now, Irul Naidu uh, from the Family Policy Institute is telling all Christians to boycott Woolworths because they support the LGBTQ um, uh, Pride Month in June. So he says, don't go shop there, Christians. And somebody asked my opinion about this, and I said, um, I, I, I think we just need to, need to allow uh, revelations to, to speak for itself, and we need to uh, just be vigilant in, in the fact that we need to win souls. Um, we need to, instead of going to try and, and, and impact anything, Woolworths is going to stand at the end of June. Um, uh, what are we really going to achieve? What is our mandate? And yes, we need to be involved in, and then this individual said to me, but Dimitri, we need to uh, voice um, our opinions and we need to, to say something. We always silence. And I said, let's use our breath to speak about Jesus Christ. Let us impact the LGBTQ communities around us and become inclusive. Like knowing the name who is confused about sexuality, who is confused about his or her creation or his, his or her creator. And, and that, for me, is the importance. It's just we need to get involved in this. We need to be intentional. But it's got to be a intentional um, decision coming from a conviction, like yourself, Menzo, what you've said. And I think that is um, not, I mean, the only thing I, I, I must admit at Woolworths are the chips, the crisps. The, they have the best crisps. So if I'm going to not buy crisps, what am I actually saying? What am I actually impacting? So there's a, a conscious um, observation. Wow, Dimitri is a Christian. He's tough. He's not shopping at Woolworths for the month of June. But what has God, what has Jesus mandated to us? So we need to be convicted. And I think that conviction comes to what, 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 what's been uh, shared here amongst one another is that we, we need to impact one another Peter said it so nicely, does my neighbor have food, you know? And if it means that you need to go shop at Woolies to make that neighbor experience the love of Christ, why not? By all means, I, I believe um, that that's a bigger statement than trying to boycott and conform to the ways of, of this world. Again, 
it's without trying to sound cliche, uh, we are not of this world, but we are in this world. And these systems, empirical, these systems um, does not apply to how God moves. So we don't have any plakaten for Ulisni. We we need to to just speak to 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 the people that are, are being honored by Ulvids. And we need to say, listen, there's no honor in what you're doing. We need to become bold in that way. And that conviction comes from the Holy Spirit first. Thank you. Thank you, Dimitri. Um, so true. Being stubborn does not mean that you're a Christian. So being steadfast means you're a Christian. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, it is. It is. Uh, this Afrikaans word that make that maybe a little bit naughty, but harachat is not is not going to take you nowhere. You know, um, it is being loving that takes you and the guy next to you on the on, next to you on the journey. Anthony, good morning, guys. Uh, we can go to God and pray to God all we want to, but if we don't come with repentance in our heart, when we don't have any fruits of repentance in our heart, God's not going to hear our prayers. Eh? We can go to God and we can ask God to heal our land, but if we don't come with forgiveness in our heart and we don't ask God to forgive us for the things that are, are defiling our country and our, our people, then God is not going to listen. He's a respecter of the word first. You know? You know, his word, he places his word above himself. That's how powerful his word is. That's how powerful it is to him. And if God says in his word that the kingdom of God is, if you don't forgive, I'm going to deliver you over to the torturers. Then that's what's going to happen. So I, I feel a little bit out of place here. You guys seem a lot more qualified than what I am, just a layman. But I, I'd like to use some uh, a testimony of an example of something that happened to me uh, very recently, actually this weekend, that um, that I believe is something that that brought healing to my life in such a way that I honored God and I believe that God released me from, from past hurts. So just a, just a small catch-up here. Uh, between the age of birth and the age of four years old, I was exposed to very serious traumatic experiences. I was tied to a table with a chain. I was locked in a cage. I was physically and emotionally abused uh, to the extent that I started running away at the age of six and seven and I was sent to the children's home and there I was molested. And and and, and uh, when I came to God and I started repenting, the Lord, he saved me and he, and he gave me peace. But as I was growing with the Lord, he started taking me back to to the places of my life, of my life where the devil has established a lie and, and made a stronghold in my life because of that lie. That lie I believed, and because I believed that lie, I operated according to that lie, what I believed there. That was the belief system that was implanted into me, in programmed into me, so that I, the lie was established. It was exalting itself above the knowledge of God. So the Lord needs to take us back to go to the place where the lie has been established to break down that stronghold. And this weekend, um, I had to go face the very person who was responsible 
for that, for, for doing that to me, for causing that trauma. So my brother and I haven't been seeing you. We, we didn't see each other since last, since 1988. Uh, he's in Switzerland. I'm in South Africa. My mother passed away, so he came down to South Africa. So he, he, was, he was by that family that caused the trauma in my life for the last 10 days. Now I had to go and pick him up there. And the Lord directed me that I needed to go and amend with these people. I had to go and honor the the people that caused this hurt in my life. And these people didn't, they, they actually, uh, the leaders in a church, right? And Mabuti was sharing me this week that these people go to church on Sunday and then they walk out of the church and then they treat the servants in their house like they are animals. They don't eat out of the same plate. And to him, it's, he comes out of Switzerland. There's, there's, no, there's racism there, but against Jews, not against color. And he was totally shocked when the morning when the servant girl came to, to uh, in the house cleaning and he started making coffee for the family and he offered her coffee and he made her coffee out of their cups. And they were so shocked by what he did. And he just told me, Anthony, I just continued, man. Oh, this, this is a woman. I don't care whether she's working for them. She's not lower than them. She's not an animal. She's cleaning their house. And I will make a coffee. And he said for the 10 days that he was there, every morning when she came in, and this was kicking totally against their grain, and he made her coffee out of their cutlery and out of their the 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 uh, stock. It's not because they must feel differently about the servants, so they use different plates and different stuff. They don't use their stuff because it's lower than them. And I realized something. I I realized that we we as a people uh, we we need to allow God to take us back to that which is not right in our life because we can go to God and we can pray help us our country needs help but as long as there's something in our camp that is not not right with God if we still have sin in our camp that we did not bring to God that we did not as Peter says and Uncle Peter I hope for the next year you don't stop with the fear of the Lord because that is very important we don't have the fear of the Lord people don't fear the Lord that's a big problem that's why we don't see him as king as Martha said because if we did see him and if we did fear him if God said forgive then we will forgive if God says fix this then we will fix this because that's what he says and he's the king and he knows his plans are good for us it's not bad plans so I knew when I had to go to these people, I didn't, you know, everybody told me, Anthony, what, what happens you get there? These people do not give you the reaction what you expect. Maybe, they don't, maybe they're still hostile towards you. Maybe they didn't change your attitude towards you. Uh, it's not a good thing. You might be damaged when you walk out there. I don't, we don't think it's a good thing. Why don't you just write them a mail? And, and in my heart, I just felt, you know what? God said I must go, and I, I'm going with water. I'm not going with the intention of pointing fingers and saying, but you did this, and you did this, and I had to forgive this. I went there. I didn't even actually speak about that. I, I just went there, and I said, guys, thank you for being my mother's best friend, and thank you for being my mother's sister. Thank you for the input that you have in my life. And I, I for years, 
I detested you for the things that you did in my life. And I, I realized that as long as I carry and harbor this, this ill fortune in my, my heart and my, this bitterness as to what you did for me, so long the relationship will not be restored. And I'm not here to come and restore the relationship, but I, I want to come and honor the, the memory of my mother because you were my mother's sister. Not a real sister, but you were a sister in life. And she loved you. And, and I want to I wanna say thank you for that. I, I want to say thank you for, for the specific thing that happened in my life where, where at the time it happened, you hit me so hard. And this, this was the husband. He, he ate me with the face to slaan. Good heart. I was 12 years old when he did that. And then after a there was a big tear that came into my life there. And since up until this weekend, that tear was was something that bound me to my past. It kept on, kept uh, no matter how much I said I forgive and I walk away, somewhere down the line, that 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 thing in my life affected my my thinking forward because the stronghold was the lie was I wasn't good enough. And and when I went there this weekend and I talked to that woman and that guy and I honored my mother and I honored them. I, I actually told them, I said, you know what, for years when I after I went back to the children's home after I was in foster care with you when this thing happened when I was twelve for years, I wanted, I was bitter. I thought to myself, but I'm going to grow up. And when I'm going to grow up, I'm going to give you a hard box. I can tell you from the I hard box. It's a false means. And then a few years back, when I started with this forgiveness thing, then God showed me, but had it not been for that hiding that I got that day, I might have swinged in a different direction concerning certain elements in my life and it might have been disastrous. So that hiding was actually a good thing. And and Saturday I could acknowledge that to him. And even after I acknowledged it to him, he still told me in so many words that okay, forgiveness is good, but I won't ever forget. I won't ever trust you and I don't want you close to me. I don't want you there. And you know what? I walked away there and I had this amazing feeling of peace. It's like this thing has been taken out of me and and there's, there's healing taking place. The, the last five days, every day I wake up and I feel different about myself. There's, there's a difference in me. And, and they didn't react the way that I would have wanted them to react, but it wasn't about what they think or what they were going to react. It was about what God expected of me and, and being obedient and coming with an amending heart, coming with water. So our biggest problem in South Africa is racism. We heard there about decision, uh, uh, division in, in uh, um, we heard, that we all live in our own castles and we're all building our own things there. Um, but we we don't we don't come to God and ask God to heal our land. We we can't uh, heal our land. Now I know I think I think it's like this is the gramophone that fast. But I is someone that not further can not for it. Our own thing is sorted. Not. In my heart, I know today that as long as there is unforgiveness, the division will stay. 
I know black people who are much more racist than white people. I know white people who hasn't changed one iota, one iota since apartheid was taken away. And the reason for that is, is because we have not gone to God and say we are sorry for the past. In Joshua 7, Achan went and he sinned. He took something out of, out of Jericho when the Lord said everything must be destruction, uh, destructed. He coveted something and he took something. And then the Israelites went and they went and fought against Ai and they only took 3,000 soldiers, but 36 guys were killed and they came back, running back with their tails between their legs. They went to Joshua and Joshua fell before the Lord. He said, Lord, why do you leave us? Why did you bring us out of Israel just to bring us here so that our enemies can kill us? Where are you? And then the Lord answers him and he guesses, he tells him, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie upon your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. They have taken some of the things devoted for destruction. They have stolen, they have lied, and they've put among them their own baggage. That is why the Israelites could not stand before their enemies, but fled before them. They are cursed and have become devoted for destruction. I will cease to be with you unless you destroy the sin in your camp. We can walk around this thing as much as we want. We can go all the technical things we can do as much as we want to. But if we don't go to God as a, as a collateral, as a corporate body, as the church, and we say we are sorry for the sins of the past, God is not going to hear our prayers, guys. He's not. He's, he hears our prayers, but he can't do anything because he's a respecter of his word. Two weeks back, uh, Dr. Stefan was talking about the mustard seed and the kingdom of God. And, and uh, you know, the what seed? He said we start with a very small seed. We start with the small things. It's like, like, like Menzo said there. He, he, he learned his uh, people's name because it, that fathering spirit, that's, that's important. That's what we bring. But I, I, I also. And, in my heart, I sit vandaag, nah, that as ons as a corporate body na God kan gaan om te vraag vir die sonde, om te vergewe vir die sonde vir die verlede, is God die enigste, and God is the only one that can change the hearts of the white people to accept their brothers, and the black people to accept their brothers. And up until we can get to the point where we say, Lord, we are sorry for our past. Now, we can do that individually, but yeah, in, in chapter 7 of Joshua, God chose there that he did not say, the Lord didn't go to Joshua and said, Joshua, I can sin, and now you need to bring him up before you guys, guys go to attack I there. You, you got sin in your camp. He left him. And then when they realized but 36 people died and they came back, he, they went there before God falling on the face. And he didn't say, hey, I can sin. He said, Israel sin. South Africa sin. He doesn't say that white people sin. He said South Africa sin. In South Africa, in his eyes, we sin. We have got something that's between us and God, something that is stopping God to be with us and his presence to be with us. And we experience his healing in our country because we've got sin in our camp. And up until we get to the fear of the Lord, where we realize as the body of Christ, Lord, we, we need to come back to you. We want you to heal our country. Up until we get to that place, God is not, uh, like I told Menzo in a message that I sent to him, 
You did for me, say, Anthony, I'm not going to stop the torture until you start forgiving. Because in Matthew 18, I tell you there that the kingdom of God is like a master who forgave the one guy for all his debt that he had. And that same guy went and didn't want to forgive his servant under him for a much lesser crime than what you had against the king. And, and, and you want me to forgive you, so I deliver you over to the torturers, and the torturers will keep on torturing you until you pay the forgiveness, until you forgive your, your friend, your brother, until you come to me and plead for forgiveness. You know, I, I, I thought about that, and then I, I said, Lord, but that was not for forgiven, man. You, you must already forgiven the guy. So why the torturers? Why? I mean, the debt's been paid. You forgave the guy. Why? Why don't you just Send the thing that's appropriate. Why did you punish him that hard? Why did you send him to the torture? You come you only need Let him pay that money back or something like that. And then the Lord said to me, Anthony, because when I forgave that servant there, his sin, when I when he's standing there and I wanted to deliver him over to the torturers, and he begged me, he said, Please forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. I'll pay you back. And then I said, okay, I had compassion and I forgave him and I let him go. That didn't mean that the sin was absconded. I paid the sin that he was supposed to pay. I paid it and I paid a very expensive price for it. That's why when he doesn't want to forgive his brother, he's going to carry the punishment that I had to put on my son in order for him to walk away there. Because when I absconded him from that that, that sin there, with that, or that payment that he had to pay, it wasn't that the, the payment was taken away. The payment still had to be paid. I paid it on his behalf. And God paid for us on his behalf, and we don't want to forgive our brothers. And it's not, it's, I'm, I'm not referring to the individual Christians, because we as individual Christians, I, I'm not a racist. I can, I can. As Bailey for what men say, for Indians, I don't, I'm not a racist at all. I love them. My lady here in my house that comes and cleans her, she uses my shower, uses my, I give her my food. We sit in the same plate and eat. There's, there, there's no racism. But as the body of Christ, as the corporate body of Christ, we need to come together. We, you started with that 300 day menza, that camp that you have there, and the guys are today. That is where the place is, the center, the nerve center. We need to come together so that we can represent our country and go to God and say, Lord, we are sorry for our pasts. Let's remove the sin out of the camp so that God's favor can come back into our country so that he can start healing yeah. the hearts of the people. Anyways, um, thank you. I'm proud of you both. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> cool thing. Thank you, Anthony. You're absolutely correct. But you must keep in mind that this has been done. You know, the, 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 the expectation of every single person in the in the country getting together at one time is 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 not possible but i remember um and i don't know who else were there but it's time in um in bloemfontein uh you know there was a lot of people i tried to count them but uh, I, I i couldn't get them all to sit down at the same time but <laughs> um and that's why and we repented that purpose the purpose of that um uh, get together was largely for that and and see what results came from there. Did anybody do a stock take to see what God has done in our country after the it's time it's time event? You know, how it was a turn of and a change of 
of, of I think it was a turning point in our country. But that's just my opinion. Uh, thanks, Anthony. Uh, Samuel, I think we're going to finish off with you. Uh, Samuel, do me a favor. No, don't, do, don't do me a favor. Can I please ask you, would you close for us with prayer when you finished with your uh, comment? Okay, I will do. Uh, yeah, well, once, once again, good morning again. And uh, it's wonderful when we, every morning, come together. So when each of us start with our activities, mostly we hear what is the right thing on the table. And when we go out, then we let our light shine. Now, what I wanted to say is that uh, when Jan was not talking in the beginning, that it also came in my mind uh, when things, wrong things happen. And now the question is, now where is the church? And what is the voice of the church? Especially in the government. Because in the government, taxpayers' money is squandered, corruption. The right things are not happening. Now, what can the church do? And if the church is invisible, then darkness will shine and shine and shine. Now, in these past days, something happened in our country. And it's about the recognition. The Supreme Court decided now we must in Namibia recognize uh, the same-sex marriage, LGBTQ. Now, when that happened, then the church stood up. The Christian organization called the church. And say no, we 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 say no against this. Now, Namibian population is two point three, it's two two point three million. So we are very small, and we have fourteen regions. And we decided, okay. And now this thing happened in a very short period of time, one week. We decided, okay, we have to draft a petition in all, all four regions, peaceful demonstrations, and we will choose only one day where we will deliver the petition in the governors in all the regions. And we do that. Now, before yesterday and yesterday in the parliament, after we have now Friday, we deliver the petitions. Tuesday, the parliament starts and the parliament, the prime minister say, oh, the people has spoken. We have to listen what the people has said. And even what the people say is also in the constitution. So it is the right thing. So we have to do what the people demand us. And the problem was solved. So we are happy there is no peace in our hearts. Now, well, what I'm trying to say is when the church make her voice heard, the government has to listen. And especially we do it where prayer and God is involved. Yes. Yeah, that's all that I am adding. Jan, can you want to, uh, see your hand is up. Sorry, I clapped the hands. Sorry, <laughs> I, I was saying, I was saying, Amen. <laughs> yeah, Samuel, Samuel is our representative in Namibia, uh, so it's always a pleasure having Samuel with us. But uh, Samuel, I want to, I just want to, uh, to, to, to. Uh, I followed your story on on our on our uh, group, and I just want to um, say, uh, sure, well done, guys. That uh, you you got into unity, and um, yeah. and that's and that's awesome. Recording yes, in progress. Yes. Okay. Uh, Samuel, you want to you close for us um, in prayer this morning, please? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercies, your grace. Each morning when we came here, you speak to us. We are very thankful 
And now that we have come to the end of our table, we pray, Father God, that you will guide us where we are now going out, each one, and start with our daily activities. We pray that you protecting us, give us the wisdom where we came across with people, help us that we have to make our light shine in the name of Jesus. Bless my brothers, bless also our listeners in the name of Jesus. Let your peace that passes all understanding keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Samuel. Jan, thank you very much for your insight this morning. We hope to continue this conversation because it's such a such an important conversation. And uh, you know, we are we are trying to form that new wine skin, and we can only do that if we if we get um, wisdom. And it's not it's not our wisdom. It is it is God's wisdom that we need, and we can only do that. I, I've said this many times. I'm just going to say it again for. For the, for the guys that didn't get it uh, before, personally for me, the best advice I ever got, and if I'm talking about advice, I'm talking about advice in my relationship with God, my best advice on uh, financial matters, for family matters, for business matters, for you, you name it, which matters, um, was from Angus, where I was saved in 2008 at a mighty man. He said, do one thing, just one thing. Get up early in the morning. Start praying, even if it's just for 10 minutes. You'll see where it goes. And that is the best piece of advice ever. Start your day with prayer. Get your instructions. Uh, Jan, if you don't mind, I would love to uh, um, get that audio book from you um, about Whisper. Um, we, we had such an interesting discussion. I have to finish off with this, if you don't mind. We are uh, we're hunting uh, two weekends ago, and we are standing um, in the felt. We're having some breakfast on the tailgate of the Bucky. It's the best way to best way to have a breakfast. And um, thank you. And um, and one of the guys observes a dove coming in and landing on a on a on a, on a tree branch, and he says to the farmer, um, which loves nature. He says to the farmer, I've never seen that dove here before. What type of dove is that? And he looks at him in amazement and he says, I've not seen that dove here before either. But I heard that its landing sounded different. This guy is so in tune with what is going on around him. He could hear that the landing, the, the windage of the wings of this dove is different to the dove that he thought it was. And my wishes, and, and, and Peter uh, made me aware of it this weekend, that we will hear the Holy Spirit so well that we could hear the difference in the windage of its wings. Uh, Peter, did I say it correctly or did I get it um, more or less right? Um, but can we hear the Holy Spirit in that way that it's a whisper? Yeah. Peter, does it help me right? so please. sensitive. Yeah, to be so sensitive that we we come to know the touch of his breath on our cheek. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's possible. Can be done. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just want to add to that while while we're talking about tailgates. Um you know, uh, a bucky tailgate is a special place to have a, a good uh, uh, uh care with your friends. We had um we had the mighty men in Middleburg uh, years ago. 
and we're sitting on the tailgate. We quickly went into town to buy a little bit of food. And of course, Middleburg town has got a beautiful church almost in the center, I think, if I remember correctly. And a friend of mine said to me, the church is getting a lot of hidings at the moment. But we must remember all these towns around South Africa was built around the church. You know, and, and I'm talking about now the 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 institution. Uh, we're gonna have to try and you know what, I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys, for and and, and Mahta, the, the ladies, for, for the great discussion. And um hopefully we'll see you next uh, next week, Thursday, and see where this goes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Die transformatietafel wordt met trots geborgd door Maxflex Cables.